Welcome back to uh, Snakes Chat. This is episode 25. My name is uh, Jacob Moriello. And uh, I, uh, Daniel and I um, have, we have a a lot of topics to run through this week, especially the uh, Eagles game for uh, t- tomorrow night, the Flyers game uh, tonight, their um, opener against Vancouver in Canada. Um and uh, a few announcements. The Phantoms, I will be starting to cover them. Um, their first opening game is October 16th. The opening weekend will be October 16th, this Saturday, against the uh, Scranton Penguins at 6.05. And they are playing the Hershey Bears on Sunday at 3 o'clock. I will try to get to cover that game. But, uh, Daniel... Uh, how are you feeling today? Jacob, it's great to be back here with these uh, high-tech microphones. I think this is my um, third or fourth episode, and <clears throat> excuse me, every time I come back, it is true serendipity to be here. Thank you. Um, so, um, tell us what your uh, plans will be this this weekend. Uh, this weekend, um, going on a camping trip. Uh, with the family at Parvin State Park. It's a good release uh, to be away. I've been at school. Um, <clears throat> you have as well. And uh, it's good to take a little break. I'm actually on a, a full fall break right now. And it's always good to get away and uh, be in the woods, do some camping, um, start some bonfires and whatnot to be with the family. And uh, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a good time. That's a that's going to be a good <clears throat> trip. I will be in attendance for that. Um Tell us what our um, tradition is going to the cabins. That's right. Um, yeah. On, on Friday night, there's one tradition that we have to do <clears throat> to um, succeed that night. Yeah. Uh, tell us about that. Yeah. So it's been going on for um, a long, a long time now. I think. I mean, it's hard to remember, but ever since high school, so it's been six years before that it's probably been about a 10-year tradition the annual cabin wig party and it's usually at uh the moriello cabin which is our family and basically um our whole family comes different parts of the family first cousins on this side that side aunts and uncles and there's only one requirement for the party you have to wear a wig and you see some crazy wigs um everybody has a good time there are prizes um, <clears throat> there are raffles. It's, it's a really good time and everybody's just there. Um, lights, it, you really get a good Halloween feel. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. I gotta, <clears throat> and, um, everybody, you know, it's actually a, a long tradition of the wig party, but again, there is a, um, segment of the party where some people go off. You don't see them. They come back wearing a mask, a scary mask, and they tend to scare people. And that's always fun. I mean, you're really out there in the woods and it's pretty, pretty dark. Uh, it's pretty dark. So um, for anybody going for the first time, I know a couple of my friends are coming for the first time. Uh, be prepared. Be prepared. Oh, yeah. Like, I, I mean, like with the <clears throat> mask, um, I I was. I'm talking about when I was we were younger. Right. Yeah. And um, our our uncle Tom, we were. We were in one cabin. We were playing cards, and my 
father, yeah, our father, we like he was, you know, uh, sitting in the uh, kitchen area, and it, cabins that it cabins they didn't have blinds on the windows. Right. Yeah. Right. And I was and, uh, what, what do you call like the bedrooms? Like a, um, hallway type, or something. Yeah, it's it's it? it's pretty much just a door, and door. when you open it up, it's two bunk beds and then a window straight ahead. Um, it's probably about only eight feet deep, and there's just that one window. And, and the problem and, and the one issue with the cabin is that there are so many windows, and when it gets dark and your cabin is lit up, it really stands out, and that's why people come, and it makes it an easy target. And like you were saying, our, our uncle uh, Tommy A, he on multiple times, especially when we were younger, all you pretty much have to do is just stand in the window and wait for somebody to see you. And it is one of the scariest things because there are, there's no cover and it's, it's really tough. Just imagine a cabin just in the middle of the woods and it's all lit up and the surrounding area is dark and it makes it very easy, which is very scary. That's why this year I will make sure I'm on the outside and I'm the one scaring people. Okay. Cause you never want to be the victim. You want to be the you want to be the one no, scaring yeah. people. Like I, I remember I had <clears throat> these big pants on, right? Like jeans. Yeah. Like and these didn't really, you know, fit me that that well, right? And I was in the kitchen area, opening up their, um, my like uncle's cabin's fridge because that was his cabin, and he was like, you know, scaring people in his own cabin outside. Yeah. So imagine this. I grabbed one of their juice boxes. Oh yeah. Right. And I turned around. So I was facing, my back was facing the, the, um, door like in, in one of the, um, bedrooms. And then the window was, was, you know, straight to my face. I turned around and that's where the mask, like Tommy A's, face was against the window with a, a scary mask and i just lost it yeah and we were running and my pants was falling were falling down mm-hmm. and our cabin was like <clears throat> you know three cabins down you know then we're four and you just booked it straight there yeah like i i mean um so so speaking of like that that time period it was when you know philly sports you know they were they were kind of decent the Phillies, you know, they were, you know, I think it was like the 2008 year or 2007. Yeah, might have, yeah, might have been. So, it, yeah, we it, were young then. But, but, so it was like either one of those years. And, you know, they were good, you know, and w- w- when we started to grow up, you know, they started to fall apart, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the uh, Flyers, you know, they, they weren't, you know, they were good at that time. And then we were, and then they were going through the rebuilding process in the mid, you know, 2010s, you know, they, and then mm-hmm. they drafted a lot of good players. And then last year it, you know, started to, you know, fall apart, you know, injuries started to happen. Defensive guys, you know, um, you know, fell apart. We, we, we were not a good defensive team at all. We didn't have a good power play. And I, I I say this, okay, it's good to have a power play, but we need to have a good defense. And this mm-hmm. year, 
you know, this offseason Chuck Fletcher went out, got got weapons for his team, got Ryan Ellis from Nashville. He traded away um, Jacob Warcheck, um, Shane Gossespierre, Robert Hag, Nolan Patrick, um, and those guys that that didn't really fit on our team. And yeah, um, and this is, and I'm like talking about, you know, the last chances on this team. Morgan Foss and Travis Konechny really need to prove themselves that this is this is their team and they need to stay on this team. And you saw Morgan Foss in the preseason. I did. I watched them. Um, I watched them. I went to the, um, the Capitals game where um, he actually scored a shootout goal. But I think um, what Chuck Fletcher did, and it's, it's a little weird to say because it's not the same, but to use an analogy is fantasy football. <clears throat> For instance, especially your bench players. It's, it's a very similar thing. So when you look at Chuck Fletcher and you look at these guys like Nolan Patrick, for instance, he, he to, to use a quick analogy, Ronald Jones was on my team, the running back for Tampa Bay. He's been on my team for five weeks now. I finally just released him because I've, I've been doing a similar thing where just like a Nolan Patrick type or a Robert Hag type you're almost waiting for them to just you're you're keeping them in your back pocket and going all right well let's hold on to them for another week another year and let's see what can happen right right but what chuck fletcher did was i'm going to eliminate all of that okay i need to bring in a team that can succeed right so if i were to wait another year just like a lot of these philly teams are doing they're they're waiting it out okay well if he's on the floor if he's on the ice let's see what he can do Chuck Fletcher eliminated all that and said, I know what these guys are. I'm going to get rid of them now, and I'm going to build a team that can actually succeed instead of waiting around for these players to maybe break through, right? Right, and it's and it's a little bit weird, too, because it, in Philadelphia, when we didn't grow up in the – you know, we did, but we didn't – we weren't in our teens and 20s and watching Chase Utley, Jimmy Rollins, Ryan Howard, and those guys in their prime, like, really good. Like, we were used to, um, okay, rebuilds, rebuilds. We were. Uh, and we, we were, but what we also have come to know in the city of Philadelphia is that we definitely tend to hang on a little too long yes. to great players in the city. Just like you saw. Now, it's a little interesting because if you look at the Giants, <clears throat> San Francisco, it's a little bit different because what we did, and not to say, I mean, a player like Ryan Howard especially was a guy that after that 2011 season where he tore his Achilles, it was pretty much a straight drop-off. There was no, yes, did he hit four? I think one year he had 25 home runs towards the end. But there was really he was sort of a and again a great player and MVP for the Phillies an all time great but there was a steep steep drop off now we didn't see that as much with Utley and Rollins but we did hang on to these guys a little too long and did it hurt us yes the contracts were were really bad yeah I they mean, they were they were terrible Ryan Howard 
they were just bad contracts. Now, San Francisco Giants, they've and if you look at their roster, the fact that they're going to a game five with the Dodgers, <clears throat> and I don't know what's going to happen, it's still incredible. But with what we saw with them is their also core, you know, their core of yeah. Belt, Posey, and Crawford, and they really haven't been good for the last years, have somehow regained for another year this fire and magic that we didn't necessarily see with that Phillies core. But they've found a way through pieces and their pitching staff. They've just added little guys. They they really have, and and even their offense. They they've just added like these little pieces. You bring in a new manager, and and they're a hundred win team. So they've somehow been able to turn the clock back a little bit. Now I don't think next year they're going to be able to win a hundred games, but they've been able to do it, which is something we didn't see with the Phillies. Which is why, and again across the board, Voracek. Um. <clears throat> Across the board, I mean, you can see it even with the Eagles hanging on to these guys, signing, again, Brandon Graham, great player, but signing him back, there's been a lot. I mean, the Jason Peters saga, we've tended yes. to hang on to players for a little too long, which has hurt the Philadelphia uh, sports industry, really, in this city, which is what I but, think. And um, I, like, I'm, like, just saying, like, the Jason Kelsey, um, this should be his last year. It probably will be, yeah. Yeah. But um, going back to the Flyers, I mean, um, the point that I, I was trying to make is Chuck Fletcher made massive moves. Right? Yes, he did. Yes, but, he did. Um, I, I I was a huge Morgan Foss fan, you know this this camp and watching truly watching him because I wanted him to uh, really succeed, and I um, saw in camp and heard that uh, he was you know doing well, and then towards the end of camp before that first preseason game he you know took like a downfall yeah and i i'm just watching and i wrote a, a article about you know who should replace uh kevin hayes and i put morgan false in there and obviously he's not gonna take <clears> a spot <throat> but the other guy that i put in there is uh Derek brassard yeah i like Derek. Brassard. um i believe and that's and the new guy that they signed patrick brown he is a he's not a great scorer, but he's a fourth line grinder that can really, you know, protect it, it, it can have that safety net for the Flyers defense. And with a uh, uh, Derek Broussard, he if Hayes was in, uh Derek Broussard could have played on the fourth line or the third line. And with with Hayes out, um in my belief Derek Broussard moves up to the uh, second line, I believe. And with that sign for Patrick Brown, I believe he will fill in uh, Broussard's old spot. Yeah, so a couple quick questions here just to make sure I'm on the same page. Kevin Hayes will be out for how many more weeks? So so the the original... um, Day was uh, six to eight. Six to eight, and, and that was how many weeks ago? So announced on September twenty first. Okay, so let's say he's out. Okay, so that's three. Let's say he's out for another five weeks, right? <clears throat> and that's a long period. Patrick Brown, they bring in Morgan Frost, did not make the opening day roster. Right, so he got sent down because, um, it, listen, he has, and this is what Chuck Fletcher said. 
he wanted to build up Morgan Foss's conf- confidence because when you see saw him play in the preseason games, when he gets the puck, he panics. He has horrible puck control, and and that is why like he got sent down because he looked like he wasn't confident in those moments. Like when you know defenders were you know going after him, he just you know passes to the puck. Like it, okay, <clears throat> you need to pass the puck, but you need to create a way to get out of that moment. Yeah, so no question Morgan Frost is talented, but you got to look. And I was at the preseason game against the Capitals, which was the third preseason game, and I, I really saw some things. But Final preseason game? No, not the final one. The third, the third one, I think they still they played two more. And I can give a little analysis of that, but when you look at Morgan Frost, now you're looking at year three, right? So he still hasn't made the team for two years, and, and you really got to start to ask yourself some questions and say, well, well, seriously, why is this guy not up? I mean, Kevin Hayes getting injured. It's almost like the perfect opportunity. Still doesn't make it. They bring in Patrick Brown. They bring in Broussard, these these veteran guys. And, and you're really kind of scratching your head because you're like, huh, really? So now we're going another year without Morgan Frost. He's down there. Then when Kevin Hayes comes back, you got a log jam. So what you really have with the Flyers, and 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 I'm going to lead this into um, – the preseason game I went to is um, what did you see out of Morgan Foss, and I, wh- wh- why did he, you know, uh, did he fail in those moments? Because I don't think I watched that, you know, third preseason game. You know what it was? The only bright spot was that he scored a shootout goal. He did score a goal, and oh, that think, and that yeah. and that shootout actually, the shootout itself went about nine rounds, I think. So the the shootout went into overtime, and. He, he scored a shootout goal, and it's not that because he's he's obviously so talented, but you have this logjam of, of forwards of these young guys. You got you got Farabee, you got Konechny, you got Giroux, now you're bringing Atkinson. So you got these guys, and, and you're almost like, well, can Frost, can, can he not make the third or fourth line? And, and that's a serious... It's, it's a serious question. You bring in Broussard. You bring in Brown. You have JVR there still. I, I mean, it, it's it's a little bit of a head-scratcher that, that he didn't make the opening day roster. But yeah, I mean, I was surprised. And when you are analyzing you know, sports, you have to analyze it as you see it. You know, I, I mean, I was a huge fan of Morning Falls, and that kind of clouded my judgment on him. Because I was like, oh, I, I'm such a huge fan, and I was acting like a fan. I was like, oh, w- why is he not up? And I made, you know, impulsive like, um, analysis on him and saying, oh, he's good on the power play and all that. And I'm like, wait, I saw that he didn't have good, you know, puck control. Why am I saying that that he's good on the power play? Yeah, he's good. He's good in with like getting past to the puck. Like he's not good, like directing, mm-hmm. directing plays. Yeah, I mean he's young. He can skate really well. He can skate really well. But what I sort of think the bigger problem is, and I know there's a lot of focus on these young players, but are people talking about Carter Hart this year? Because yeah. that's a question. Because there was a meltdown last year with Carter Hart, and again, defense was terrible. 
Okay, so Chuck Fletcher goes, all right, that's it. I'm going to build just an incredible wall of defenders. So Ristolainen, incredible. He, he, he's going to be great. I mean, you talk about what old school Philly used to be like. Ristolainen's that guy. I mean, that's yes. what I saw. I mean, he is constantly in on the action. He's he's so he's such a physical player, and I don't know if people saw this, but when I saw him on the ice, he's a giant. He's a literal giant. Like even on skates, like six six foot something. Oh, oh, he's well over that. He's got to be six five six six, and and on skates he he might be even taller. He he's six. he's massive. He's massive. You bring in him, okay? You bring in Ellis, right? He's gonna be right. great. Um. You still have Probrov. I mean, the first line is going to be going to be great. The second line as well. My only thing is, what what I want people to realize is that um, Keith Yandel is old. No, no, no. Like he, he he's and... old, and and he he's not that mobile. Like when I watched him in the third preseason game, he turned over the puck many times, and he he's not at his age right now. He's not a great skater, and he's not going to be able to outrun these guys. I mean, he made multiple turnovers where he he couldn't get back. He just couldn't well, get back yeah, to the yeah. defensive zone. But I and I mean, like, and I totally agree with you. Like, because, um, it, I think the reason why they bought him in is because of a um guy who can be good on the power play. Yeah. No. Definitely. You know, definitely. and I think we saw how good he could be with the power play, but it, other than that, it, it's like. He's not use. He's not good at it, like you were saying. Right, he's he's not going to be that top yeah. level defenseman that he once was. I mean, he 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 really he is older, and that's a good point. The power play, because no question, he he can still uh, fire pucks at the net. Um, he he's still he he is a veteran. He, he's right. a veteran, and to bring him in, uh, you got him for cheap. You got him for cheap. Um, I know he was making like close to 8 million in Florida. So you bring him in for your cheap. I mean, he's got to be 35 or 36 at this point. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty I mean, sure. Yeah. He's old. So he's going to be used on the power play. But other than that, I just, are people talking about Carter Hart? That, that's just what I want to know. Because again, we saw that meltdown last year. I think the reason, and this is my analysis, I think the reason why they are not talking <clears throat> about Carter Hart, you know, a lot is because Chuck Fletcher stopped one thing that that he had an issue with and that was defense. Yeah. Like the Flyers suffered um like it, and I use this example. They were so bad defending uh David Pasternak and the Bruins last year. Yeah. And and I understand they were horrible against other teams, but when you play the Boston Bruins, you have you had no agenda to stopping them, and it's the same players that that caused you issues. Uh, like David Pasternak and, and that first line caused you issues. So why why are you repeatedly letting them you know torture you in those same uh, same uh, assignments or agendas? Yeah, I mean, it, again, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough, especially against the Bruins. I mean, that first line is incredible. And and Pasternak, he's a guy, I mean, he's a top 10 player where it's like you got to have a game plan going in with him. And I think this year, 
this this year it's it's going to be quite different. I mean, last year the defense was just it was quite awful. It, it was quite awful. But this year we turn around. So there are there are still questions with this team, right? So the defense, you bring in some guys, you think you've solved that. Okay, we haven't seen them play yet. We'll see, right? So that's all we can say for right now, right? Because the preseason is what it is. Carter Hart, did he, I don't know, did he start any games in the preseason? I hope I, so. I, I think I think a few games. Okay, a few games. But, but he didn't finish. Okay. Uh, so, no, and, 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 and that's, that's fine. Okay. So so they traveled to Vancouver today, tonight. They're on at 7. Um, I don't know what time they were on, but they're they're playing Vancouver. Okay, so they're playing Vancouver tonight. Vancouver's a young team. Um, not a playoff team last year, but I guess we'll see what they can do. So the defense. So I wrote down some notes on the Vancouver games. that uh, I, I watched some Vancouver preseason games, like highlights, like, like a few. And the first line for, you know, Vancouver, it's Connor Garland, um, Tanner Pearson, and Bo um Horvet. Yeah. Yo. Yeah, uh, he's he's a good player. He's so, a good player. And and they have uh Elias Peterson, I'm pretty sure. So they're a good, they're a, they're a solid they're a solid team, no question. My point is that you have these guys on the offense. So the defense and goalie is one thing. So you, we can push that to the side right now because that's that is what it is. It was temporarily fixed until further notice because we haven't seen them play. So seven games from now, let's see how they do. My thing is, how's how's the offense going to look? Because no question, the Flyers have a very solid offense. Their forwards are, are very solid. But solid is one thing. They don't really have, I mean, you could say Couturier. You could say Farabee. You could say Connecticut. You could say Giroux. And guess what? You, you you could ask anyone around the league. You could say those players and, and people, if you're a Vancouver fan or a, a Penguins fan, you'd go, yeah, Flyers, solid team. I mean, their forwards, their, their offense is very solid. They, they have a lot of players. Atkinson, my, my question is you sort of need that guy, right? So who's going to score 30 goals for the Flyers this year? On the first line? Uh, in general. Or, 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 or in general? In general. Uh, I, think, I think if – you know, this guy can go in and did what he did in the preseason. Um, he can score at least thirty goals, and that's uh, Joel Farabee. Joel Farabee. Uh, I mean, I, I think Joel Farabee. If I think, I think um, Joel Farabee can, you know, score thirty goals. But who's going to, you know? least that pressure from him. Yeah, no, and th- and that's a you good point because Joel Farabee almost scored to thirty goals last year. I'm pretty sure he was somewhere in the twenties. But you're right. You need. I mean, look at these teams across the board. What do all these great teams have in common? They have multiple guys that can that can score twenty five goals. And <clears throat> Giroux's not that guy anymore. No, I mean, like Giroux. The reason why they obviously moved on from Borchek is because Drew has. More value than Jake Borchek. Oh, he's so, oh, you know, no like, question. No obviously, question. I can't believe I'm saying this. No question. But, but like, uh, Jake Jake Borchek, all he did was pass the puck well. Like I I didn't hear anything off the ice. You know what he did off the ice. Yeah. Like I, I mean it, it, 
he wasn't a leader, and that's why they moved on from him <clears> and got you know Cam Axon because Cam Axon brings that energy. He does. And Cam and Cam Axon, I I believe you know I I think Cam Axon can be that guy that can score you know. 20, 20 to 25 goals. No, he can. He's certainly a much better skater. And, and you bring, of course, you said the energy. Voracek just, he's at a point where, <clears throat> and again, Voracek, when you think back like six, seven years ago, you'd watch him skate and you'd go, whoa, he's fast. He can, he can really skate. Turn back to last year. And not only did he seem like he, and again, I, I hate to make comments like this because you don't know, and I'm not going to say it looked like he he didn't care because that's that's a bad statement to make about a player. Yeah, because no, I it, I think uh, they all care, yeah. but he definitely just he didn't look very attentive out there. He wasn't very physical at all. He couldn't skate, and that's why I I sort of see a similar problem with another older guy like JVR. And yeah, I, yeah, and that's why I mean, sure, bringing him back is one thing. I mean, he's good in front of the net, deflecting pucks, um, but. I mean, like in the preseason game, he did a pretty well, like defensive play. Like, but no, 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 I, I got what you're saying. So, uh, with the offense, I mean, let's say let let let's let's say we're gonna see tonight. But I've always been a a guy where if you want to have a great team, I mean, this is across all sports. Yeah, obviously, there's no question they they have the players on this team to make the playoffs. They should be a playoff team this year. My thing is, you I feel need like they could be more than that because of the veterans and then the balance. No, I but think I, I think they have a good team, but I just think that the offense across all sports, you need that guy. And what does that guy mean? You need a guy that can take over, and they need a guy that that really. And I don't know if anybody. No, so what I was saying is that um, they you need you need a guy, you need a guy, and you can look at any of these teams. Any of the playoff teams last year, you can look across all sports and look, you need that guy. You need that guy. And do they have a guy that can score 35, 40 goals? I don't know. Now, if they, I mean, I guess, I guess we'll see tonight. Yeah, yeah uh, you bring up a good point because I, I mean, I'm looking at this, this projection list and these players are the opening night guys, but trying to piece it together and who's going to fit on what lines, you know, and uh, I, Joel Farabee is going to play left winger. Uh Sean Gatore is going to play center or on the first line. And Travis Konechny, I, I put him on the first line. Yeah. Because because when you draft Travis Konechny, like he's a first it, he should be a top six, you know, four. Really. Mm-hmm. And this is his last chance because the guy in the minors or or the the uh, AHL, Tyson Forster, is is just is just incredible. Like if Travis Konechny doesn't do his job this year, and Tyson Forster does his job in the uh, AHL, guess what? He's gonna be up. Yeah, and and that and that point sort of leads back to the the time never stops. It's not like players stop coming into the league. So when you look at a guy like Morgan Frost, no matter how talented you are, opportunity beats everything else. It beats everything else. So. When you look at a guy like Morgan Frost and he's still not up, you're right. You have these guys for sure. You have these guys that are still coming up behind you. And if you don't take that opportunity and run like Morgan Frost has not done yet, as he has not made the the opening, <clears throat> excuse me, the opening night roster, 
for now a second consecutive year, you have these guys behind you that that don't that they don't give a crap. They're they're still coming up. They're still fighting for that NHL spot. So opportunity is everything, and that's why is it crazy to think that Morgan Frost we might we might not see him. I don't know. I don't know how crazy. Uh, that I mean, uh, I mean, and like I saw a video that you know Morgan Frost you know scored a goal in the uh, preseason game. Um, and in the uh, AHL, and I'm thinking, wait, what? Why can't he do this in the uh, NHL? Well, uh, I mean, like, and I get it. There's more talented players, obviously, in the NHL more than the uh, AHL because the AHL is, you know, you know, developing players. But I mean, like, with the Morgan Falls and the Travis Konechny, I feel like Travis Konechny can win a spot with this team uh, next year. Like, I mean, uh, I, 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 I think, like, I think Konechny is, is pretty well cemented in but, right but, now. Like, I feel like he improved a lot in the preseason. Game. Yeah. And it, like he, he's more physical, you know, he's, you know, a, a score now. Like he, you saw in that last Washington Capitals game where, Sean Couturier played. It had that defensive or that third game. It either the uh, it, it was a Washington game. It was when Alex Ovechkin uh, got it left the game. Yeah, with a knee injury. I don't know what game that was. That was um, not the one I was at. It was at the uh, the fourth one, uh, fourth or fifth, maybe fifth. Uh, Sean Couturier had a defensive. Um, play in the neutral zone. Pass it to um, uh, Travis Konechny in the flyer zone, and then Travis pass it to Ivan Prolov for a goal. And I'm thinking, hold on, I've never seen Ivan Prolov like that. Yeah, like the setup that they're putting Ivan Prolov is just incredible. Mm-hmm. And, and like in that <clears throat> you know assignment that they are giving. These players, we have not seen them do that, you know, last year or the year before. Yeah, so. well, I'll I'll say this: <clears throat> when I was at the third preseason game against the Capitals, and the 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 third preseason game again, I don't know the full Capitals roster, but Ovechkin wasn't playing, uh, Oshie wasn't playing, the the top guys weren't were not playing. So that's one thing, but I will say this. They went on the power play three, I want to say three times. And they, they went they went one for three. They did score a goal on the power play, but it just seems like the power play, it looks a lot better. And and I don't know if this is because you have guys like Yandel on the power play now or Ryan Ellis. <clears throat> Ryan Ellis. But it, it does look a lot more fluid yes. than I, than I've ever than I've ever seen. It's a lot quicker. They're taking shorter you know passing than just you know, exactly yeah no that, that's a good point they're 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 passing it once or twice and then they're firing pucks at the net which <clears throat> it almost seems like in the past they were doing too much yes. they were trying to just i mean four or five passes and then really try to find the open guy when whereas what i saw in these three power plays was one or two passes open guy somebody's at the net to get a rebound possibly and it just seems like there there's um there's a there's a new sort of 
uh, scheme that they're running on the power play where it's it's going to be we're going to fire pucks uh, early and quick. We're going to look for rebounds. If not, one, two, like one, two pass, and then, and then on the third, you know, pass, shoot it. Like a right, shot. look for a rebound. If they clear the puck, that's okay. We're, we're going right back to it. We're going to get as many shots as we can on net in this power play. And, and, and if you were like, they are, it, and, and, and I don't know if you realize this, but the first power play unit seemed, you know, quicker. And then the yeah. second power play unit, they were much more quicker than the first, first unit. Yeah. So I, I'm thinking, um, and they are utilizing everywhere on the ice as well. Yeah. Like they're not doing like a triangle, you know, play on the right side. They're utilizing all everything in the zone. Yeah. And finding open guys that can, you know, score. And that's what you need. I don't think they were utilizing, like, I think they were doing too much. And then the defense is like, okay, right. we figured you out. Right. So. That's one thing, um, <clears throat> but again, we're we're gonna see tonight. We're we're gonna see tonight how they play. So what's your um? So who? So what's the? What does the Flyers have to do to beat Vancouver? And Vancouver, I understand, is not a great team, but they're a up and coming team. They're definitely an up and coming team. If you remember two years ago, um, was that two years ago? Yeah, the COVID year. They actually won in, in the opening round, and they reached the um, uh, Stanley Cup semifinals in the West. So they, they did win an opening round in the COVID year. I don't think Vancouver – I don't know if they're going to be a playoff team this year. They definitely have a very solid team. They have Horvath. They have Peterson. They have players. They, they certainly have player, good players. Um, tonight – I think you you got to go with the let's. I mean, I don't want to say you want to lean on the defense, but let's see. Um, it, it almost seems like this is going to be a a counterattack sort of game, is what I'm seeing. And again, I I don't know. I have no idea. But this is my analysis: a counterattack game. They're going to lean on the defense to make to get stops, and then they're going to counterattack effectively. So, what do I mean by this? Um, will Vancouver um, be in – do I sort of foresee Vancouver being the offensive zone a lot tonight? Possibly. Possibly. Yeah, because if it was last year, I would say, yeah. They're going to be but, there and they're going to score goals. But I think – But with the way this – like Ryan Ellis – like Ryan Ellis and Ivan Proloff, they're going to do a lot of stuff tonight. And with the – Connor Garland, um, the um, he's a, yeah, he's a fine player too. Connor Garland, he doesn't give up on pucks. You need to, um, maximize it, or minimize. I'm sorry, his pro- progress of doing that. Yeah, so I could uh, basically what I see is turnovers in our defensive zone by the Canucks and guys like Farabee and Konechny just speeding up up the ice into our offensive zone and guys like Ellis and Ristolainen Drew little feeds turnovers here feed up to Drew I mean I I really think that this they're going to score um 
a couple goals and not to say the power play, but I think that there are going to be a couple counterattack goals. And that's what I see. And that's sort of what I think Philly could be this year. It's just a turnover machine with these big walls they have in Ellis and Ristolainen and that I don't really think teams are going to be used to playing at first because I think this defense is going to be that good where they're just going to run into these walls and they're going to turn over the puck. And then we've got these speedsters on the outside, like Farabee and Konechny and Atkinson. They're going to feed them the puck and they're going to go on and, and they're going to score on, on counterattacks. Yeah, and I mean, like, you know, the Cam Atkinson defensive play at, uh, in the one of the preseason games, and then, and then he uh, scored on a defensive play off the rush. And I'm like, wow. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Like, if – if he does this all the time, this team is going to be hard to beat. No, I agree. I, agree. I mean, like, and yeah, you bring up a good point. Like, I mean, like Justin Braun last year, he did a horrible job defending. Travis, basically everyone on the defense did a horrible job. Um, the one player that I want to look out for is Travis Sanheim. Mm-hmm. And I, and I haven't been like a huge fan of him this year because of that contract right. and the way he was playing last year. I I think I think I'm gonna, you know, give up my fan fan watching and truly watching his game. Yeah. Tonight because uh, I mean if you if you say he's not a good player and he is like like that's a cloud judgment. Like you need to analyze him, sit down, watch his you know ability. What it, if he messes up? Is that truly his his mess up? Mm-hmm. Because it, because in the defensive schemes, there's one area, um, like zone zone coverage and then man to man, right? And obviously, this is not you know football, but but if you're looking at Travis Sanheim and he's you know in the middle and he hesitates to go, and and you're like, why didn't Travis Sanheim go to the right side to you know block that puck because that's probably not his assignment. It, like his assignment is watching like everything like in front of him. Yeah, watch it develop. Yeah, and you know, and uh, before I we move to the Eagles, what is your prediction tonight? Who's going to win? Obviously, uh, we're going to say the Flyers. Mm-hmm. Well, what is your f- final prediction? On the Flyers game tonight. Yeah, so um, tonight uh, I do see a Flyers victory. And I'm, I'm going to go with, and this score's sort of been in my head for a little bit, I think it's going to be a 4-2 victory uh, for the Flyers. And you're going to, and my Happy guess, nickel. Happy. yeah, that, that's what I could say. So it's going to be close. It's going to be 3-2. And, and I actually see um, two goals, two goals tonight for um, Farabee, Joel Farabee. That that's what I'm predicting. Four two victory with two of those goals being from Farabee. Yeah, I I um totally agree. And you're saying that um the Flyers are going to shut down Vancouver, like n- not completely though. They're going to get in the zone a little bit, right? Then. But I think I think they're going to. I I feel like Vancouver is going to score, uh, three goals tonight. Three goals. And then we're going to win um five three. Five three. Um, I feel like, I feel like the t- top line is going to be the t- top line of like the line of the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like they're truly going to shut these 
this top line down. Right. But I think they're going to score at least three goals tonight. Yeah. I can um, see that. So speaking of the uh Eagles, right? <laughs> and so so if you don't know the whole, you know, story of what the Eagles did, you should know what the storyline is. Um so after, you know, so we played the 49ers in week 2. Now week 3 we played Dallas. Week 4 we played the Chiefs. Week 5 last week we played the Panthers. Mm-hmm. Right? Before we played the Panthers, those 3 weeks at those 3 weeks Jonathan Gannon hasn't done a great job putting together a defensive game plan those those three weeks in a row. After the Chiefs game on Monday, that the, the next day, uh, the the headline said on one of the websites that said um, Nick Sirianni lashed out on John again. What is was that the, a good thing? And obviously it was because of the outcome of the Panthers game. But what was your first initial thought when you saw that? Was it a good thing that he lashed out <clears throat> on Jonathan Gannon? Well, again, uh, the media, you, you don't, you never, you never know. So they say lashed out. What does lashed out mean? You know, what what was really the conversation? Or, or, or like yelled. I, I said lashed out. Like I was using. No, I, I remember seeing the report and it was like he yelled at him, whatever. I don't know why people are getting all just sort of torn up about the, you know, torn up about this, um, about, because it seems like people are sort of, you know, you read that report and you go, whoa, wait, what, what, what do you mean? Nick Sirianni is the head coach of this team. Okay. He's the head coach of this team. Right. And we've already seen it before. You're not guaranteed anything in this league. One year, don't matter how many games you win, okay? You can be out and about just like that. So he's trying to, he's doing everything he can for this team to win, right? But he's the head coach. So for people to go, wait, what do you mean he yelled at him? Jonathan Gannon is under Nick Sirianni. He's the defensive coordinator. Nick Sirianni, the defense got gashed by the Chiefs. And by the Cowboys, there is no reason why he shouldn't be yelling at him. Now, I don't know how that got out because it should really be behind closed doors that that would happen. So I don't know how that got out, but a lot of leak in this week. Yeah, a a lot. Again, the media is everywhere. So things get leaked. I mean, you're not safe from I mean, you can see John Gruden. Nobody's safe anymore. You know what I'm saying? Especially now things get out. Bottom line now, a little different, right? John Gruden no longer has a job and probably never will in this league again but for people going well what do you mean why he he can't just yell he's the head coach the defense stunk the last two weeks he has every right to yell at them and you're right they beat the panthers now here's the other thing you want to talk about the eagles defense what you see is is what you get from the eagles defense the line is great you lose bg that's one thing but the Cowboys and Chiefs are on a totally different, I mean, seriously, a totally I mean, different I mean, level. Yeah. The Eagles are what they are. They're two and three. They've squeaked right. out a couple of victories. They, I mean, 
the Falcons, they hold them to six points, which was actually incredible because Matt Ryan and the Falcons are actually playing really well right now. They are. Uh, um, uh, Kyle Pitts is just uh, yeah. improving in that offense. Matt Ryan in his last three games, uh, I forget, he's got like 900-some yards, eight touchdowns, zero interceptions. So they're rolling right now. And when you uh, when you lose a running back like Mike, Mike Davis and he goes um, to the Panthers. No, no, no. I think I might have got that mixed up. Mike Davis went to the Falcons, Falcons. from the Panthers. And uh, you you see Cordell Patterson, who was with the Bears. Um, oh, yeah, he's, he's then, been all over. I mean, he's doing great this year. He is. Like, I mean, like when you – like fantasy, fantasy is a – like if you want to know who's a great player in this league – Fantasy is the way to do it. Like yeah, it is. You like, can just look right there and, and see right. the kind of season they're having. That's the index of who's a good player and not a good player. Yeah, no, no, you're right about that. Um, it's a good way to see offensive stats for sure. Um, <clears throat> so so basically, what I'm saying is, you hold the Falcons to six points, right? Niners seventeen points, and then this last week, eighteen. But when you really look at those teams that you held, and then you see the Cowboys and the Chiefs, Chiefs hang forty. Cowboys hang 40 on you. It's it's just a level that when you're a fan, you can't see because you're a little clouded, but that's what you really need to realize is that those offenses are the top in the league and you're just not there yet. The Panthers, I get that they were 3-1 when we played them, but people need to remember that Sam Darnold is still Sam Darnold. Okay, There's a reason why these things happen, right? And Week to week, you can see he he plays well here. He plays well there. He had a terrible, just a terrible game against the Eagles, right? Possibly and, against the worst defense. Possibly. Well, I'm not going to say they're the worst defense. No, they don't have a great one. running defense. But when you look at the stats on, on passing, they're a top 10 passing defense in the league. The rushing is quite bad. It's yeah, quite bad. I mean, like, and I'm going through, you know, the bad games that we, we had against these top teams yeah. right we couldn't defend blocks in the money game um we couldn't um the uh the uh, formations were messed up like we were playing zone coverage and we were you know screwing up the the um the way this offense was running we were we were so focused on zone coverage that it really messed up our defense. For example, I mean, um, like Nelson, like against the Niners, right? Um, that first touchdown that the Niners had, the Eels were running a zone, zone defense, right? Where it was on the left side of the or the right side, right side, three guys, and they weren't moving. And there was an open guy in the end zone. Yeah. Right? Nelson was the guy to defend that. Steve Nelson was was the guy t- who hesitated, uh, s- stood there, while the other two guys w- were playing um, zone. But, but, but it wasn't their guy. Yeah. Like, he should have... He was standing here, and then the guy was, you know, directly behind him. He should have left the zone coverage area to defend him. 
Well, the thing is, uh, when you have an assignment, you, you got to stick to it, right? So if he thought he had someone over top, that's one thing. My thing is, and we saw it last week against the Panthers, the defensive guys are getting confused. They don't know some of their assignments. If you remember, the Panthers were on the three or the four. Maybe they were on the five. And they threw a touchdown to uh, the backup tight end. I can't, I can't remember his name. But these guys, he was left wide open in the end zone. There were two guys. There was a guy running. Uh, might have been a, might have been a dig, right? So he was getting to a spot in the end zone, and he was cutting up. Two guys followed him. One of those guys was Ryan Kerrigan. See that? That's another thing where the main problem is they don't have. Once you leave their first front four which is one thing, and this actually speaks to why their rushing defense isn't great and why there are always holes in the middle, is because the linebackers really can't play man-to-man. They're, they're not good enough. They, they really aren't. You're looking at Alex Singleton, TJ Edwards, and Eric Wilson. So when you look at those guys, Eric Wilson had over 100 tackles last year but has never been a good coverage linebacker, and there's a reason why Minnesota let him walk Okay, when everyone's going, why did they let him walk? Well, there's always a reason why, right? Because you're literally watching him in the Eagles. Right. And, Eagles and even team. with even with 100 tackles last year, you see this year, he's not even that great of a tackler. He misses a lot of tackles, Eric Wilson. So he's one thing. Then you look at our other two starting linebackers. You got Alex Singleton and you have TJ Edwards. Both of those guys were undrafted free agents. Right. And, and Alex Singleton was even playing in the CFL for a little yeah. bit. And, and And let's make one thing clear. These guys are... Are they don't they don't suck, but they are not good enough to be on the level as Hassan Reddick. You know that it, Hassan Reddick it, it is a good linebacker. You know, for example. Yeah, he, you know, he's good. I mean, he's a good linebacker. But the main problem with these guys is they're un, they're undrafted. Now there are analytics when when people when you look at these guys and really follow them when a wide receiver is cutting across the middle and running like a slant, say, across the middle. And one of those guys is following. The gap between the defender and the wide receiver makes up first and second round picks, third and fourth, fourth and fifth, and then undrafted. That little gap tells the entire story of these linebackers in their coverage. When you watch Alex Singleton try to cover these guys across the middle, try to chase them down, there's a reason why he went undrafted. It's not like you can look at Alex Singleton and go, well, you know what? Alex Singleton isn't bad, and he's not bad, and I don't think TJ Edwards is bad either. Like, they're in the NFL. Right. They can play, but when you look at these little what separations. What they they don't know how to play in this you know, scheme. or you know, No, no, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that they have limitations as players, and that's why okay, that's what you're 200 and however many players – go before these guys. There's a reason why these guys go undrafted. There's a reason why there's a combine. There's a reason why you look at people, players' physical traits and abilities. Everybody has different abilities. There's a reason why. So when you see that separation, that should tell you the story of, oh, you know what I'm saying? Th- right. there's, a, and, there's a clear limitation here. Right, and like, we're not talking about, you know, the assignments that he went after to... Like he didn't. We're not talking about assignments that he went after to cover for his other teammates. We're talking no. about. And I and I personally think Alex Singleton knows the defense like the back of his hand. Right. 
I'm sure he knows the defense very well. Right, and I totally agree with you with the tackling. Like, he needs to learn how to tackle. Yeah, I mean, Eric Wilson's uh, one. Mean, yeah, it's one uh, thing. I mean, like, why can't you tackle? Like, it's like it's the NFL. You're in the NFL. Like, like okay, you should care about the limitations. But if you can't tackle, that's the basic one-on-one rule in football. Yeah, every, everyone should be able to tackle. So, right. When you see this happening, that's why the that's why the run defense is is what it is. That's why that's why it was last week. I'm sure it's come down maybe a couple, but they are they are the bottom tier in rushing defense, which is something we haven't seen because the Eagles' rush defense has always been good. But they're back. They're probably 28th before that Panthers game. They were 31st in the NFL. Yeah, I mean it's so bad. Like that. Going back to the uh, Cowboys game with that Elliott. Like short of a touchdown, where Darius Slay was sitting, and then he hesitated to go to hit um, Elliot. Patrick Johnson was the guy he should have went. Patrick Johnson was the guy to it, right in the middle. It was Darius Slay behind him, and he was covering. Um, it, Darius Slay was supposed to cover another player in the end zone, so he was going, and then he hesitated because no one was going after Elliot. Right. Like Darius Slay, um, thank goodness. I, I know we lost by 20, yeah. 20 in that game, but I mean, that's not the point. Like Patrick Johnson was smacked in the middle. He didn't know the his assignment. Like his assignment was to go after Elliot. Like it, it, like I think that's why you know John Gannon got screwed up at teaching these players because these players are not getting through of Jonathan Gannon. In those first four weeks of the uh, of the season, yeah, and then we saw a complete change against the Panthers game. Um, the defensive line was good. Mm-hmm. Devon Hargrave was good. Um, I mean, like the lines were, it, it, the line was fantastic. Yeah, and and I think this is a little bit now again the Panthers without McCaffrey, a little bit different. Um, because obviously they start off three and now they've lost two straight now, but the Panthers, the Panthers are a middle of the pack team. They, they'll probably win eight or nine games this year. I think, I think the tracks have slowed for them with their train, but I still think that they're a solid enough team to win nine or uh, eight or nine games, but you got a little taste of what this defense could be. Now, Sam Darnold isn't, he's not Dak Prescott. Okay. And I know a lot of people want to say what they say about Dak Prescott, but he's a good quarterback and he's certainly not Patrick Mahomes, but what this defense can be is this is why Steve Nelson is such a big uh, addition is Darius Slay has two interceptions. Steve Nelson has one. And Maddox, when you, Maddox had a, a, block, gr- a great a play, great block. a great play, to a, a, a pass breakup. But what this defense can be is <clears throat> on the outside, they're a top 10 passing defense. They can be really good. And when you don't have a running back, like when you don't have McCaffrey and you have the backup, and Sam Darnold and DJ Moore is locked up. Terrence Marshall's locked up. These guys are locked up. The line will get there. The interior line of Cox and Hargrave will get there, right? They'll get there. The quarterback will make bad decisions and throw interceptions. And I think even then, so that's what the passing defense will be. Now, the rushing defense is a totally different thing because the wide receivers will be locked up, okay? Darius Slay, say what you want. He's a good cornerback. And our pass rushers will get to the ball. We'll get. 
So what I was saying is the pass, the pass rush will get to the quarterback. Now the run defense is another thing, and these that, little that, holes. That, that kind of concerns me. Oh, it should concern you. It definitely yeah, should it, concern it, you. And tight ends will also be a problem. Yes. So the running backs and tight ends are the are the biggest problem because when you're not running the ball, the outside's locked up. They're going to look to top tight end. So when you play teams like now the Chiefs, Chiefs, that's going to be a problem. If Gronkowski plays tomorrow, which I don't know if he is. Oh, I think he's out. He's out. Cameron Brait. Cameron Brait, yeah. But really, Rob Gronkowski, if he was playing, would be a massive problem because our linebackers cannot cover. Right, and because of his size, too. Like, he bullies, you know, Whoever's in front of him. Exactly. So, so that's mean, the biggest problem with this defense. But we're we're gonna see tomorrow. We're gonna see tomorrow. Uh, Brady coming in the Philly. We're, we're gonna see. So like with, with the um, with the offense, um, I felt like Nick Sirianni, um, backed up what he was saying to John McGannon. because I uh, I like the and okay, all game okay. It, 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 you're not going to be perfect throughout the whole game. But if you make adjustments and improve and win the game, that's how you're going to be a great coach. And that's what he did. Like, he he repeatedly – I like the Devontae Smith connection with Jalen Hurts for a while. Mm-hmm. Devontae Smith, you know, didn't catch a ball. They, they didn't go back to him for a, a little bit. And then you saw a um, – you saw a um, Jalen Hurts um, read option, right? A fake to Miles Sanders mm-hmm. to the right side, and then Jalen Hurts goes for a, a quarterback sneak on the left side. I mean, they repeatedly did that throughout the whole game, and the game-winning touchdown was that same same play that they ran. Yeah, so with this Eagles offense, the RPOs will, are their bread and butter. They are their bread and butter, the RPOs. That is one thing that Jalen Hurts, he's been doing since his earliest days uh, in college and probably even high school are, are the RPOs. And he's he's a great runner. And that's and that's where he scored two of his touchdowns against the Panthers. And that that whole the whole year, nobody can say the RPOs have been. Now, could you say that, yes, he held onto the ball, handed off to the running back, whatever. But against Carolina, because that's let's use the latest game we have, the RPOs were great. On both of those touchdowns. And I think the connection with Devontae Smith is you saw a couple plays, especially with with Smith, catches that were just incredible. He's incredible. He 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 makes grabs that are just my God, his his high point of the ball is incredible. But and you saw this with Chicago and Oakland, where Oakland just they I don't even know what's happened these past two games. They've completely fallen apart. They 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 can't score the ball. What Chicago did is, and Chicago's definitely not a better team than Oakland, but they have the same record, is great teams know when to run the ball, right? And that's something that Philly has not done. If you want to be a great team, you have to be able to run the ball. And what Chicago did was, and Oakland let them have it all game, Chicago won that game because they ran the ball down their throat, Okay. They ran it right down their throat. Up in the middle, right? Right right up in the middle. They, they ran the ball so effectively, and it just chews up clock, your time of possession. It, it changes the entire game when you can run the ball. 
and the Eagles just haven't run. The quantity of runs is just not there. No, the quality's no. there. They're getting big chunks of runs, right. but they're just not running the ball enough. And that's why Nick Sirianni, you know, he didn't fail against Panthers, but he might tomorrow night if he doesn't fix the running game. He didn't. Like, and, and, I, and, and the overall, the overall theme of these games is that if you win, there will be less questions on your plate. So if they lose that game against the Panthers, what's what's the thing that we're talking about? Just like we talked about with the Chiefs game and the Cowboys game. Why aren't you running the ball? Now he beats Carolina, and, and the questions, they're, they're, they're not on the table because you won the game. But they're still there. Why are you not running the ball? Why are you running these terrible screens, these little wide receiver bubbles to the outside that are getting no traction? Wait, and and this is the one issue that I have with Nick Sirianni, coaching Miles Sanders. No, I mean obviously he's not the money backs coach, but you're the head coach. But uh, I mean the plays that you instilled with Miles Sanders, you're you're running up uh, to the side, you know, like Miles Sanders. If you're if you're looking, Miles Sanders to me is a is a running back that. One's up the middle. Mm-hmm. One's up the middle. You have a guy that can. You have a guy that can go like, m- 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 like you're utilizing Miles m- m- Sanders, and that's in Kenny Gainwell. He's a yeah. pass catch wide receiver slash running back. He can catch the ball. Like he can do the plays that you want Miles Sanders to do, and it, it it's failing Miles Sanders. Like it's Miles Sanders to me. You're you have plays that you can you could run Miles Sanders um to the side, but you need to utilize it right. Like I the like the um fake pass to Miles Sanders to the left, and it you had a play the the same play with Kenny Gainwell passing and it failed. Yeah, you had a wide open Miles Sanders on the left side. Like you should have faked it to Kenny Gainwell, and pass it to um Miles Sanders so he can get the first down. Uh, I mean, yeah. you're utilizing Miles Sanders not in the correct way. And I know against the Panthers, they were Miles Sanders got that nice run. Yeah. Keep on doing that. Yeah, and keep on doing that. Yeah, and honestly, the last thing I'll say about this is that. Don't tell me that Deuce Staley not being there doesn't make a difference because it absolutely does. Yes. And and that has everything to do with Doug Peterson's respect for Deuce Staley when they were there. I mean, seriously, like, don't tell me that doesn't make a difference because you can see him in Detroit well, now so with, the, with DeAndre, DeAndre Swift. <laughs> exactly. Like, when you have good coaching, it makes a difference. Now, people want to just plug in – Plug and fill coaches here and there, and oh, it'll be the same. No, absolutely not. Players respect coach, great coaches, and, and that's the bottom line. So him not being here absolutely makes a difference because I don't even know it, who the it, running it backs coach is. No idea. But when I, Monday I, morning comes around after a loss, you best believe that Deuce Staley was in Doug Peterson's office and they're talking about game planning. I don't even know who the running back coach is now, but he definitely does not have the level of respect that Deuce Staley had. So that's. I, I think he. I don't know if I'm getting this right, but correct. I think the running backs coach um, 
no Jalen Hurts. Or at the, sure. no, 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 that's the quarterback's coach, yeah. Brian Johnson. Or but no, no, you're right. Like, like Deuce Staley was a true running backs coach. He <laughs> knows what the strengths are for Miles Sanders. He knew what strengths Boston's uh, Scott was had, and I don't know what happened to Boston Scott. Yeah, I don't even know where he is. Yeah, he like disappeared. But but the point that I'm trying to make is you need to. Um, repeat, repeat what you did in other games, and I understand it's a mm-hmm. different defensive scheme that you're running against. But, but if you're, but you won't be successful if you don't know what your player strengths are. Absolutely. And, and I think that that's why they are failing in Nick Sirianni's core values, because that uh, I guess they're learning the core values yeah and, and i get it core values who cares you know just play the game oh, it makes but, a difference though it does make a difference but but like uh tomorrow night the um <laughs> you need to watch out for the wide receivers darius slay and steve nelson and the linebackers steve nelson and and um darius slay that was the audition last week, so they can cover wide receivers like Antonio Brown, which, uh, like, good luck. Yeah. Like, Antonio Brown, um, Mike Evans, and um, who's the other? Chris Godwin. Chris Godwin. Sorry. Um, I, I mean, those guys are, uh, I think Chris Godwin is questionable. Yeah, to play in that game, but still, still, even with those two guys, it's going to be a uh, tough sledding. Right. So you need to know your assignments against a tough, tough Tampa Bay's offense. Mm-hmm. And let's not forget. And let's just talk about how good Leonard Fournette is in that backfield. He was the number two for them, or first year they he got signed, mm-hmm. and he quickly became that that running back one d- during the Super Bowl last year, and then he's going to um, get that back this year. So yeah. you need to... They have, they have a lot of weapons. So the linebackers and Mon Kerrigan, uh, you could say they need to get on that. No, they don't. Tomorrow. Because if not, like... Uh, okay, I understand. TJ Edwards had that nice block on special teams last week, but mm-hmm. that's special teams. You need to know your assignment. Alex Singleton needs to learn to um, defend better blocks against the run, or or, or or like anyone. Darius Lee had that bad bad game against the Chiefs when McCole Har- Hardman was blocking him. And he tried to tackle um, Edwards, you know, with his left hand. Yeah. No, push Hart Hartman out of the way. You're done blocking him. Right. You're done. Just push him to it, it. Just toss him, and then just try to tackle. Mm-hmm. But it's not e- easy as it seems. Right. Like it's like it's they need to um, teach them the correct way how to defend the blocks. And learn their assignments. That's it. Yeah. If they do that, it's it solves the defense. 
And if you utilize Miles Sanders the correct way, it solves solves the running game. And mm-hmm. if the offensive line, like I don't know how, and we were talking about this last night. Why would you put Jordan Mailata in Lane Johnson's spot last week, and Andre Dillard at left tackle? Because because like if Jordan Mailata is healthy and he succeeds on the like he is a better left tackle than Andre Dillard. Yeah, I, I think that just speaks to the dimensionality of Andre Dillard. Seriously, that the starting left tackle who you got beat out by Jordan Mailata. Now the the coaching staff has to go, okay, well, Mylotta is so versatile that he can play anywhere. Andre Dillard, who lost his spot for a reason, can only play left tackle, so let's move him over. I mean, that that speaks volumes to the type of player Dillard is. Right, and uh, and Jordan Mylotta did horrible against the, Pan- the Panthers. Like, he got... Yeah. He got beat, but... Th- but um, hopefully, hopefully he will be back at the left tackle. Position. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully. Um, because I don't know what the status is on Lane Johnson. I'm not, like, I, yeah, I'm not sure. Like that situation is a whole different uh, uh segment. Yeah, you know. But um, tomorrow against the Buccaneers, um, we gave out uh, our points that we have to do for uh, for the Buccaneers. What is your um, final prediction for the um, uh, tomorrow night. Well, when you look at Tampa Bay, um, not sure if Godwin's playing or not, but either way, so many weapons. Gron- I mean, you look at even with Gronkowski and, and Godwin out, you're looking at Antonio Brown, who people must have forgotten who he is because he is still an incredible wide receiver. Still an incredible wide receiver. I mean, truthfully, all things put aside, he's he's <laughs> he's a top six wide receiver in this league still. So. Yeah. He really is. So you still have him, and you've got Evans on the other side. So Nelson and Slay are going to be busy. You've got Cameron Brait, who's a very serviceable tight end. And and what really gets me is that the backfield has so many weapons still. So you have Leonard Fournette, who's going to be running the ball. He's a big physical runner, so you better contain him. Wow. And then you have a guy, Ronald Jones, who, I mean, he's basically nothing to me. But – the guy that nobody talks about is Giovanni Bernard, who oh, had yes. all those seasons in Cincinnati. He's an incredible pass catching back. He's going to cause some problems for the Eagles defense tomorrow. The only plus side is, yes, the Bucks front seven is incredibly aggressive. They're very physical. Their linebackers can fly, but their starting cornerbacks, they've had a lot of injuries in their in their secondary. So we'll look to see if... Philly can can do something with that tomorrow. But either way, you're talking about Tom Brady and the defending Super Bowl champions. The offense is great. Thing, do you think they should put they should involve Quest Watkins more? Uh, I mean, yes. Like yes. deep breath. Because he's he's been incredible. Yeah, he has. He, he's a great he 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 can fly up the field. He's a I mean, what a steal. Six round pick. So for me, um, it's in Philly. I think they'll keep it close for a while, but ultimately I think Tampa Bay is gonna take it. Uh, twenty-eight seventeen tomorrow in Philly. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I like you know, agree. Uh, I'm not going to, um, give out false you know hopes because look, the Buccaneers are you know Super Bowl contenders. We are a rebuilding team, and 
that you bring out uh, yeah, you brought out uh, good points you know but i think my final you know projection is um if they do the same thing that they did against the panthers right and the panthers have a had a number one defense before yeah. we played them they have good defense great defense. so if we if we repeatedly do that right and change up a few things obviously i think we could beat tampa bay but um but it's the running running game i feel like it's going to be the same thing that we played against the chiefs close but the running game will you know screw us over and it's uh, i can't believe i'm saying that but we, we struggled against the run game this year so i'm going to say um I'm gonna say thirty-five to twenty. Thirty-five. I feel like I feel like the Buccaneers are going to have a great offensive night tomorrow. Okay. And I'm just being honest. Like it's like I I feel like we're gonna keep it close in the first half, and then we just. I agree. But but anyway, it's like Jonathan Gannon should do the same thing that he prepared for the Panthers game. Because if you prepared against the Panthers, I think you could keep the game close mm-hmm. throughout the whole game. But the running game it needs to be fixed right away. Yeah. Um. So that's been so with the Sixers. The Sixers. This topic I've been waiting for to just last out on. Mm-hmm. I mean. The whole Ben Simmons saga um, is just um, is just absurd to me. Like it doesn't it, like I, I get what Ben Simmons is saying, but like throughout the news that you've heard, what do you think of Ben Simmons? Well. Um... Again, I mean, you look at media and the control that they have on situations, and I mean, don't tell me he's not on Instagram looking at things, hearing things. It's no question that the playoffs was an absolute abysmal for the Sixers this year. They lost in seven to a Hawks team that that they were rolling. They were hot, but there's no way that the Sixers should have ever lost to them. They should have beat them in six. And... When you look at Simmons, yeah, a terrible, terrible postseason for what, three years now that it's happened, and people are waiting for him to turn the corner. And I don't, I just, it's not going to happen. I don't think it's going to happen. He's still an incredible player, and with all this stuff happening, look, money is the ultimate factor in this. That's why Ben Simmons has reported his team has said that he's going to come back to camp now. He's already been fined like a million dollars. Yeah, like, I mean, like, um. Like so far, like the you know, if you guys don't know the whole story by now, the beginning of the background of this whole Ben Simmons problem, okay, after the playoffs, he, his coach Doc Rivers, you know, throws him uh, under the bus. He gets back backstabbed by multiple players as well, and then, you know, it, and then he reported that said, oh. I'm not reporting to camp. And then the Sixers are like, okay, fine. We're going to 
not peg you this month, which is October. And then we're going to put that in a, a separate account. And every time you don't show up, we're going to take money from that account. Yeah. Which guess what? Um, they have the power to do that. You're, right. you're still under team control. If you don't report to camp, you will be fined. Um, and that's the bottom line. And guess what? He's probably going to come back, but for people without Ben Simmons, this team say what you want. This team is not a better team without Simmons. They're yeah. they're definitely not. They're defense, definitely not. Defense, um, it will screw them. It, it will. If, but everything else will. as well. Everything else as well. The assists, um, even the points. I mean, you take out a player that scores fifteen points a game, and you put in, I don't know, Danny Green to start. Danny Green only averages eight or nine. I mean, you're talking about a seven point swing. Like these things matter, and I don't think a trade will be worked out. Ben Simmons will be here. Who knows the state of his mind? Who knows what he's going to be like playing in his first home game here? It's just a lot of factors. I don't think a trade's going to happen, but there's certainly not a better team without him. But when you look at everything that's happened in the city, Wentz and players that just need a fresh start, I mean, would I have liked to have seen him be traded? Yes, but I don't want to just trade him for, for crumbs. You know no, what I'm saying? I mean, listen, um, and, you know, Joel Embiid, you know, said some things about, you know, how he wanted to get the ball more and when like you know Jimmy Butler was here and all that saga I'm not gonna get through that mm-hmm. but um after you know Joel beat said that in before the press before the preseason game um Ben Simmons reported and said he's never going to you know come back to Philly and play for this franchise right right and then and then the the trade rumors, then the trade rumors I'm seeing, um, are are just a joke. It's it's just a disgrace that w- w- what I'm seeing, like it's like the Pacers, like it, the Pacers had talks with you know the Sixers about trading a uh, Karis LeVert to the Sixers for um for Ben Simmons. First off. Karis LeVert is a downgrade than Ben Simmons. No, he, he certainly is, but you got to look at it like the stock of a player. And his stock, it, it didn't make sense, but even after that playoff series, his stock was the highest it was going to be. So if you would have pulled the trigger, they could have gotten a guy like McCollum and some first-round picks. But what you see now is that you don't see a lot of like player-for-player. Player. It, it's the draft picks that, that's going to do it. So you trade for let's say Malcolm Brogdon, right? Let's say you trade for Malcolm Brogdon. You're going to go, well, that clearly doesn't make sense because he's not a, as good of a player as Ben Simmons, but it's the pick swaps and it's the the, the first rounders that you're going to get. You're going to get three first rounders and three uh, first round pick swaps. Like that's what that's what ultimately is going to matter right there. And, and you saw the Pacers denied it, or not the Pacers, the Trailblazers uh, denied, you know, that trade that, that came yeah, out. Jeff. The draft picks swap and then the first round, the exactly and 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 I don't think McCollum was also in that deal because that that is already a lot right there. So I'm sure they were looking for someone else in there because I just saw the draft picks. No, that's what that's what I'm saying. So I don't think it was McCollum and that. I think it was another player that that wasn't named. So I have no idea who else uh, who is on their roster. Was it Robert Covington in that or was it? who knows who it was, whatever it was. 
but it was denied. And I think now, even if Maury is thinking about a trade, you're, you're not going to get, you're not going to get that. You're not going to get McCollum anymore. The, the season's about to start. They're not just going to trade a guy like McCollum. Next Wednesday is the opener. Yeah. So, so I mean, what, what you're looking at right now is the team is what it is. If, if Simmons comes or not, whatever. And then maybe halfway through the season, maybe around all-star break, maybe a little bit before you might see a trade. But I think right now, for the time being, Simmons is, is going to be on the team and we'll see if he plays. Um, I did see that he reported to, you know, Philly un, unannounced. That's what the report said. The age, His agent, Rich Paul, um, got him to go to Philly. And I'm hearing from John Clark from NBC that he's taking a physical and is going to, you know, report to camp. Yeah, so, I mean, you saw videos of him in the summer. Let's see how in shape he is. I'm sure – I'm sure I mean, he's probably in shape, but we'll see. There's the issue with the videos. He's done this three years in a row, and he hasn't improved. And, like, I'm saying this now. Just show me. I don't care about no video. Just show me. No, and he does it all. He, he's done it before. Look, for people wondering, Ben Simmons can shoot the three better than, than anybody listening to this podcast or on this podcast. This idea that he can't shoot three pointers, he can absolutely shoot three pointers. And you've seen it in videos, but he's he's not implying it in games. He's not, and and he he never will because he's never going to stand on the three point line and actually be a threat. Um, that's just that's just not his game. He won't do it. But but regardless. like I, I mean, like the shooters, you know. Speaking of like the foundation of, oh, what what would the Sixers do? Um, if Ben Simmons doesn't shoot a three here. Mm-hmm. I mean, listen, I've watched the preseason game. Preseason games, Fergon Korkmaz is just improving his game. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he's just he's just improving. And if there is going to be a trade down down the line, Fergon Korkmaz could be in that package. Or... Um, Isaiah Joe. Isaiah Joe has been incredible too. Yeah. I mean, like, if you want to truly, if you it, if the Ben Simmons saga keeps on going on, it will. It. it uh, I'm gonna be honest. This isn't going away. Okay, he reported to camp, but there's gonna be issues in, yeah. in the locker room. And, and this is a problem too. Like, Joel, this is gonna be a problem for the Sixers. So I. I think there's a upside to this and a downside. Like the issue is, I think, I think I, if I was Daryl Morey and I understand about the value, mm-hmm. right? The value is, um, Ben Simmons' value is n- not good right now. I get that, and you have to wait it out. But with the team chemistry, it's going to mess up this team chemistry in the in a lot. Like I, I mean. Uh, I'm just just find a trade partner that can work out for both of us and just get this done. Mm-hmm. Like uh, I mean, just like I that doesn't mean trade him now, but trade him either next month or the following month. See what he does, and if he does does the same thing, don't keep him on this team. And I know it, it will hurt the defense a lot yeah 
and his ability to pass the ball to other players, but his attitude is going to be a problem. And Joel Embiid, I'm, I, I can feel this. Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons are going to have an argument or something. Yeah. I, I, I can feel it. Could happen, yeah. I can feel it. Because Joel Embiid called him out three times this year. He did. So, he did. I mean, I would see it. This is going to be a mess up situation. And I, I wish a trade happened last week, honestly. But I understand the value is down. You need to build that value and you need those picks, uh, correct picks. Right. I get that. Mm-hmm. So, um, do you have any other final thoughts on the whole Ben Simmons saga? Um, no. I don't. I like Simmons. Um, I know last year with the whole Harden deal and whatnot, I, I kind of wanted to see him go. But, again, I love defense, and I know he brings it every time. I hope it can be settled. But, again, when you look at the team, they couldn't get it done last year. You're going to run it back with the same team. I, I guess I guess we'll see how it goes. All right. Uh, Daniel, thank you for coming on. I appreciate the feedback and the analysis. Um, on your side of uh, the Flyers, but let's go Flyers tonight against Vancouver. Hopefully we can win tonight. Yep. And let's go Eagles for tomorrow night against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Let's yep. go. All right. Thank you. This is episode 25. I'll see you guys next time. Thank you.